Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, and this is episode 11. Today, I'm joined by Paula Perry, founder of an organization called You For Us, which is a legacy organization aimed at supporting families, particularly black families, to break intergenerational cycles of lack and helping them build tools to thrive. Paula starts this by addressing areas around finance and then building up from there. I love Paula's work. She's a real living testament to what she does. According to statistics, she should not be a professional woman, published author, or a person that is developing a cute little property portfolio. I really, really love Paula's work. Her approach to financial empowerment is so practical and effective. It's helped me, and that's just from consuming her social media content. She really brings a new level of diversity to personal development, making the concept of thriving available to people that society often overlooks. Paula's got a really cool financial seminar coming up in July, January even. (laughs) The information to that is in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, today I am joined by Paula Perry. Paula is the founder of an organisation called You For Us and You For Us, one of their core aims is, or actually not one of, their core aim of You For Us is to help people to break generational cycles that limit their lives. I'm not going to talk too much about it because Paula will speak to us herself in her own words and and tell us what it's all about. But I think it's a really, really important organisation because wellness and thriving is all of our birthright. We are born into circumstances and situations that do have an impact on us. But through the work that Paula does, what she's saying is that your circumstances are not a full stop. And I think it's really, really important for all of us to hear that message, um, because I know from personal experience, I have embodied the notion of... um, allowing myself to divide to define myself by one particular aspect of my life um hence the title free 360 because you know we are whole beings and there's a lot more to us than one facet even though one facet can seem overwhelming so before I go on anymore I'm gonna hand over to Paula hi Paula Hi, Tammy. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having jo- me. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, for those of us that haven't come across you or aren't clear on what you do, please could you tell us a bit about what you do and what led you to setting up You For Us? Okay. So, I wrote, yeah, as you said, my organization's name is called You For Us. And what You For Us means is when you are in your best place, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it has an impact on the us. Mm-hmm. And the us being your children, your family members, your peers, and ultimately the wider community. And I've actually seen that firsthand in myself as from a young child who grew up in number of difficulties everybody writing me off as you know Paula's you know don't follow Paula to doing that whole 360 as you just said Mm -hmm. as in everyone turn around say you know 
Paula is the one that you should go to mm-hmm. or be like or, you know, something like in, in those terms. So and that was through the difficulties that I had in my childhood, but I've overcome them. And what I basically want to share through my organization is that your circumstances do not dictate your future. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because sometimes our environment can lead us to believe that this is us. We can't we can't elevate, you know, mm-hmm. this this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just want to share my story and um show that it is possible with the right mindset, with the right belief within yourself. And yeah, carry on from there. And I've seen the benefits of it also with my own daughters, mm-hmm. with my own children. I've actually seen see, seen the benefits of breaking a cycle and kind of changing the direction mm-hmm. of your life. Yeah. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Are That's you saying fine. then, Paula, that you were one of the young people that parents said to their children, don't hang around with Paula, don't follow Paula? No, I wasn't, not parents. So, for example, um, I'm, I was a teenage mum. So mm-hmm. members in my own family ripped me off, right. for example, to say, like, you know, my grandma would say, my cousins, oh, no, no, fala pala. Stuff stuff like that. And, you know, even me being a teenage mum, mm-hmm. that also stemmed from my own childhood of me feeling alone in the world or mm-hmm. and, and not loved um, if I'm honest with you, yeah. but having, having a child, yes, I was young, but I made sure that I turned my life around because I was responsible for another child. Mm, mm. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm listening to you. You were responsible for another child because you were a child, a child. basically having yeah. a child. I remember speaking to you ages ago and um, you were saying that, um, I think you were saying that when you were 14 or something, you mm-hmm. were excluded from school, but you got yourself back in? Yes. Yes. Um, when I, w- w- through my childhood, Tamu, I had to grow up very quick. I was responsible for my younger siblings. Mm. So although I had to go to school, I used to take my, my sisters to school and my, um, my youngest to nursery before I went to school. Wow. And one thing about me, I just didn't like to be late. So if I got to school and class already started, then I would say, well, period one's over for me because I'm not going to go into the class late. Mm-hmm. Um, and often, often... Um, that would happen. And not because I didn't like school, I didn't want to go to school. It's my circumstances that I had responsibilities mm-hmm. um, way above than what I should have had as, as a young child, mm-hmm. um, a, young, a young teenager. So the story goes is that we got a new headmistress. And um, I used to wear a baseball cap to school sometimes. And we had assembly. <laughs> That particular day, I didn't do my hair and I had a baseball cap on. And I remember the head teacher saying, she's, she was new, and she said, yeah, and you take off that head, um, that baseball cap. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why me? No, I'm not taking it off. And then she was like, well, that's the last time you'll be attending this school. And I just got up and, and, and walked out. But funny enough, before, before, Carrie, before I am... Um, tell you how I got back into education mm-hmm. I remember doing the appeal myself I ripped the appeal letter myself sent it in and it got accepted and I didn't have no one to go to this appeal meeting with so I remember there was a uh, we used to go to a youth center called Freddy's mm-hmm. in Kennington and he was like everybody's you know 
dad or mm-hmm. big uncle mm-hmm. and he went with me and they still didn't accept it so so that that went there but what i done Tamu, is i don't know if you remember what a yts is i don't know yes, yeah what yes, it's you were finished school yeah right i went and enrolled into a yts when i was 15 i, I said i was 16 and I achieved my MVQ level one and two in business administration. Okay. And it was one of the best things I, I've done in my life because it helped me with my first um, first job that I ever got. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a good thing because I could have been sitting around with friends smoking cigarettes and drinking Thunderbirds. <laughs> <laughs> Thunder- Which Thunderbird? Wasn't it red and blue? Um, I think it was blue. I don't remember a red one. Was I'm a red sure one? there were two Thunderbirds. Okay, all you right. You are funny. The drinks <laughs> of the time. Thunderbird, Can I, K-Cider. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, there was the K with the big, oh yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, and Diamond White. <laughs> Miss Benny, but hold on, so Paula, you managed mm-hmm. to, at the age of, what, 15 or 14? Oh, 15, yeah, 15. Oh, 15 then. I'm just thinking about myself at 15. I don't think that I would have even thought about writing the appeal letter myself if I didn't have an, if there wasn't an adult around that could do it for me. Yeah, but I, I don't, tell me, there was something like, a, I don't know what there was. I, there, there was something within me that was always a bit mature mm-hmm. in, in, in my age. I remember another example, a friend of mine got expelled from school and her mum was like, cha. I'm done. I don't care. And I was devastated. I was a bit younger at this point. I was devastated. And I was like, you can't not be going to school. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I phoned up a school um, from a, um, from the yellow pages in the red telephone boxes. Oh my God. I think I called, you remember you used to be able to call a number to the directory number and they would give you the number. Something like that. Yes. 119. Right. Okay. And I remember calling the school, pretending like I was an adult, saying, you know, my daughter's been kicked out of school and, you know, I just really need to get her back into school. Is there any way we can set an appointment for your school? And, and they accepted it. And I was like, right, damn, now I can't go with you. So you've got to get someone to go with you. And her yeah. big sister went with her and she got back into school. And I was younger. I was about 14 or 13 then. I remember damn. it very clearly, but I was devastated saying, your mom says she's not helping you. You need to get back into school. It's not right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. If there's, there's been something in me. Do you mind me asking, mm-hmm. and if you do, that's fine, why you weren't able to go to that meeting with a parent? Okay. Um, so I grew up in a home of drug abuse. Right. Um, so a lot of the time, like I said, I was responsible um, for my younger siblings, I make you know I, I made it my duty to be mm-hmm. responsible for them, um, and and unfortunately, um, um, yeah, unfortunately, that just meant they weren't available. Yeah, that yeah. they weren't available. Yeah, sometimes they weren't available. It got it was okay in my early beginning teenage years, mm-hmm. like leaving going into teenage years, but the late the latter years it got it got more severe where I was basically when my sisters went and lived with other family members, I was still at home, Mm -hmm. um, basically fending for myself. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. So in the work that you do with you for us, Mm -hmm. you're really able to, 
you're really able to reach people that are often, I feel, discounted or aren't included in conversations about um, wellness and thriving. Because um, I think that, um, and one of the reasons I think it's so important for somebody like me to be present, is that we don't just need to have diversity in conversations about wellness in terms of gender and race. We also mm-hmm. need to have diversity in terms of socio-economic background. And I think that we have to have really honest conversations about the fact that if you are a black person in England, because this is where we're doing mm-hmm. the work, yeah. that there are, it's not the intersection of race, class, gender makes things more complicated. Yes, most most definitely. And there's different circumstances that people come from. Um, and it doesn't always define you because sometimes we can internalise our backgrounds yeah. and it stops us from moving forward. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I've been successful with Tamu is that I could have allowed shame and and things to cover my head that that pulls me away from trying to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that one thing that I've been successful is is that I've not been ashamed of my background. Mm-hmm. I've not been ashamed of my mum and my parents. I've, I you know she's still my mum. I mm-hmm. still see her. Um, even though we haven't got the best of relationships, but I've never been ashamed of her. So I think growing up, you know, you can get into this world where you're, you know, people know your business and you could feel shame or, yeah. you know, you're scared for someone to to know something. But for me, growing up, I would prefer to tell you my circumstances before you could tell me. So yeah. that what have you got over me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I would tell you, yeah, my mom smokes drugs. Yeah. Um, so what can you say to me to try and make me feel bad now? Because yeah. I've already said it. I'm okay with it. If that makes sense. And no, a lot of absolutely. the time we can we can feel ashamed of our circumstances or leads to guilt. And it can, it can build up into our adulthood that we don't even realise that it's still, we're still living back there, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and those are the types of things I think we need to shift away from. That's why when I, even when I do my seminar, Stepping Towards Increased Finance, in the, right in the beginning, I tell you, this is where I'm coming from. Um, statistically, I should have gone down a number of different routes, whether it was gang violence, drugs, alcohol. There's a whole circle mm-hmm. of statistics of my childhood living in, you know, with domestic violence growing up, with domestic violence in the house, mm-hmm. you know, leading on to drug abuse, uh, being on my own. I should have gone down a number of different routes. The mm-hmm. one I did um, fall into was teenage pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to be honest with you, um, I know why it happened. I'm not I'm not I'm not oblivious or think like oh it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know I know exactly why it happened. And which I believe again, um, a lot of young people may have children when they're young. I believe it's from similar paths or not um, similar paths in what may happen to them, but that emotional element. Paula, I'm sitting here feeling really emotional because I remember, I'm sure we met, we were both in a Facebook group, so I'm sure we virtually met, maybe it was in 2016 or 
maybe yeah. before that or something. Just a bit before that, I yeah. think, maybe. And I remember you talking about wanting to do this, but feeling yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I should, feeling a bit insecure about it. And I'm just listening to your story and the way that you are generously sharing your vulnerability to empower others and I don't want to sound um, patronizing but I'm so proud listening to you I really (laughs) as much as um the concept of black girl magic is lovely I find it really quite oppressive sometimes because Mm -hmm. it's almost as if we have to be doing no it's not almost as if history and our current circumstances show us that in order for black people to be seen as doing something good we need to be doing something extraordinary almost magical but in your case it is so fitting that like I literally feel like you just represent black girl magic there must have been some magic sprinkled upon you when you were born for you to just have this inbuilt belief that there's more for you no definitely oh thank you so much I do really really appreciate that and I think I think I believe I believe in God so I believe in the higher powers and I believe that I have gone through certain things in life in order to be able to help somebody else believe in their self and believe in their circumstances and believe they can and I've done that unconsciously with family members around me just the way I talk or you know give them advice and they've elevated their self and that's unconscious and funny you saying that I remember years ago Tamu um before there was a lot of youth motivational speakers, I used to want to do that. But then I used to think, but who am I? Who's going to listen to me? Even though I knew I had a story, but you have that doubt and that fear. And I mm-hmm. thought, who am I? And then mm-hmm. it got to a point where I was saying, um, I have to start. Um, and the reason why I started with finances as well is because I've realized I'm not a financial advisor by profession or anything like that. But what I am doing is, what I am is somebody who's done it. Yeah. seen you know put in certain um tools in place um disciplines in place and seeing that you can change your finances with the right mindset um with the right goals you know with the right tools and the right belief mm-hmm. it, it can happen um so for me it's about if i can do it mm-hmm. i can share this knowledge with somebody else because they can do it because one thing i've definitely recognize is that especially within the black community we are not taught anything about money growing up in the home Mm. and that has a great impact on us in our adulthoods with how we manage our money you know Mm -hmm. how we we spend our money and often we're always waiting for you know I can't wait for payday and Mm. we shouldn't actually be in that cycle month after month, year after year, when things potentially are increasing in our life, mm-hmm. you know, jobs, you know, you're, you're, you're climbing the ladder in your job or, you know, you're earning more money, but we're still living in that. I can't wait for payday. Yeah. And, and it's things like that. I, I, I want to change because I realized that, sorry, Tammy, to cut on you. The reason why I started with finances is because money and finance is normally the core of what causes all the other ills. Mm-hmm within the community mm-hmm. it, it boils down to finances and poverty and I think that um something that I know for myself is that um well not just for myself but I've and I've said it on this podcast before I'm sure 
you cannot be well if you are stressed, worrying about how you're going to pay your bills and you're cancelling direct debits so that you can or deciding whether or not you're going to pay gas or electricity this month. It's, it's, mm. I think it's a really I think it's a really good place to start because money and the stress of not having enough, it makes you it, it, it limits the space that you have to do other things. And by no means am I saying money is the be all and end all, but if you are at an emotional deficit, let's say, and you mm. are unable, you don't have the tools and the skills to be able to look after your children. If you also have money as a factor, you're going to be so distracted by the fact that you don't have enough money, you're not going to have the capacity to look after or do the work to look after the emotions. But then also, if you don't do the emotional work to understand what's driving your behaviour, you'll be Mm -hmm. back round to that cycle with the money. Definitely. And you know, there's the statistics out there that says 4.5 million UK women lose sleep over money compared to 2.9 million men. Mm. Um, It goes further to say things like, you know, half are not meeting the essentials, um, 57% lack savings, and um, 38% with debt issues. So that's that's, that's high proportion. And and, and 60% of women are more likely to be stressed at work around money so so it's very important for us to and like I said at the beginning sometimes we have because of our lack of understanding we feel fear guilt shame lack of self-worth because we haven't got um we're not managing our finances mm-hmm. right but it goes back to my point of that we've not been taught it mm-hmm. And, I think, um, and that's that's why I I do what I do with the personal finances, because it does have an impact on those around us, i.e. our children. Mm-hmm. If you're stressing about finances at home um, or you come into work and you're stressed and you're, you know, it does have an impact on the children where there can be, you know, they can start withdrawing like, oh, I don't want to tell mum that I've got a and um, new school shoes. Yes, or I need, uh, you know, or there's a school trip mm-hmm. because I don't want her, do you know? So mm-hmm. it's not, and children shouldn't have that, that fear. But unfortunately, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it even goes further where they start thinking, you've got young children in the streets now that may be thinking, what can I do to be bringing money in? And yeah. that shouldn't be their responsibility yeah. to even be yeah. thinking like that. Yeah. And that is happening. And I just want to... I can't find this, The I, I can't remember where I found this, but if I find it, I will put it in the show notes because I'm sure that there will be some people listening and thinking, well, I'm not black and I wasn't given uh, information, financial information that helps me in my day-to-day life. Yeah, but there I'm not saying it's only, but yeah. <clears throat> no, 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 but there are, there are statistics and they are US-based. Unfortunately, a lot of this research is done in America and I'd like to see the statistics for the UK. But there was some something that I was reading that said in America for black people and and it was specifically about African-Americans. They weren't talking about black people that immigrated to America or other people of colour in America. They were saying Mm -hmm. for African-Americans for them to be at the same socioeconomic level as their white counterparts, so regardless what class you are, 
um, if you were for you to be the same as your white American counterpart, that white American counterpart would have to stand still socioeconomically for 200 years for you to be able to catch up. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that because of the transatlantic slave trade, because Mm. of um, colonialism, because of the way that trade deals have been set up between Africa and the Caribbean and the Western world, we are at such a financial disadvantage that in order for us to be equal, we need a lot more knowledge and empowering. Um, So when people talk about equality, I talk about equity because equality, I I said this at an event I hosted, equality is saying that everybody should be given £50. But you know from the work that you do, Paula, and I know just because it makes common sense, if we gave everybody £50, there are some people that would have £1,050. There would be some people that have £1,050. And there are some people that would still be in minus because they have mm. such lack. So I think it's really important not to be triggered by Paula saying stuff that is specifically um, targeted at um, black communities in England because there are reasons why um black people are at more of a disadvantage yeah so i just i just wanted to clarify that (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, but with regards to um the money and you were talking about um financial knowledge and um not having information um I want to talk about that a bit more um, because Mm -hmm. you have shared things on social media um, that have really made me stop and and think. So, for example, there was one time um, that you said, if you see something or or something like this anyway, you said, if you see something for 300 pounds and you've got 350 pounds, that means you cannot afford something that costs 300 pounds. I was like, okay, I never would have thought about it like that before. And that's definitely firmly embedded. And then there was something else you were saying. You weren't talking about like big purchases, like cars and houses and stuff like that. But you were saying that if you can't afford to buy something twice, that means you can't afford it. Yeah. And and I, I just try and use those examples to kind of tap into the mindset mm-hmm. because it's it, it's it's funny I also done a post the other day saying isn't it you know what's the point of having a 300 pound bag with nothing in it wouldn't oh, you prefer to have a 10 pound bag wouldn't you prefer to have a 10 pounds bag with 219 pounds in it yes and it's just the mindset and the reason why I, I try and explain things like that sometimes is because a lot of the time, because of our, you know, where we go back to the, the feeling guilty, the shame, the lack of self-worth, we can cover up our, 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 our feelings with material items. Mm. Um, and I, it's that type of mindset that I'm trying to get to because we can pass that on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we mustn't have nice things, Tamu, because I like nice things. Mm-hmm. What I, am I know you bought one is, of my dresses, so you do like yes. nice things. <laughs> <laughs> so what I am saying is, 
let's get our baseline, let's get our financial position correct. Let's start understanding that money is not a tool just to be spent. Mm -hmm. Money is a tool that we can use to create more money. Mm -hmm. And Um, and I love how you break it down. So it's what I think from the information you share is that somebody on benefits who is, you know, in a situation where they are being supported by the state, with that small amount of money that you are given, you can still save something. And I really like that, um, that concept because before I used to think of saving as so dull and so boring but I I didn't stick with it I must confess Mm -hmm. but when you do your um 26 weeks savings challenge yeah seeing that money increase every week it does feel good and something that I did off the back of conversations you were having um, for the for the first time, I consciously invested some money. It wasn't a huge amount of money mm-hmm. um, because I was I, I wasn't just thinking about saving. I was also thinking about conversations that you've had about making your money work for you. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's exactly that. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. So I was just going to ask you, because I mentioned the 26 week savings, if you could just share what that's about. Okay, so the 26 week savings challenge, I recognize some people say they, they, they are unable to save. There's no way they can save. So I set up this 26 week savings challenge. So over a six month period, you'd be able to save £350 or £1,000. And what it is, is that every week, you would start off for the £350, week one, you'd save one pound. And every week it will increase by a pound. So Mm -hmm. week two, two pounds, week three, three pounds. And by the end, you will have £350. If you were saving for a thousand, you would start off with £26 for week one Mm -hmm. and week two, 27. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to show people was that when you start getting into habits because our spending and how we control it is habits Mm -hmm. that we need to break or new habits we need to create so when you start creating a habit you start building momentum you start seeing oh wow I could do this and you'll start you know week three might be three pound and you're throwing in five Mm -hmm. because you're getting into the momentum of of a new habit Mm -hmm. and it's that's, that was basically the purpose of what 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 I've done that for. And even now that I've stopped doing it, people are still requesting, Paula, please bring back the savings challenge. Mm. You know, I started to save two tins or I started to get my children involved. Yeah. And so I am definitely bringing it back out in the next two weeks. But it's those small steps to start with somebody who may not have a lot of money to save, but to show them you are still able to save. Yeah. And then there's next level where, you know, somebody who is able to save a bit more, they may not see it because of their spending habits, their lifestyle habits. A lot of us sometimes live outside of our means. Huh? You know, us, us <laughs> we, we spend we spend more money than we have coming in. Mm. Our activities need to be looked at as well. You know, it's not every week that somebody invites you out you need to say, yes, I yeah. need to be there. You know, yeah. we've got this habit of um, FO, um, MO, which is the fear of missing out. Some mm-hmm. of us just don't like to think that we're going to miss out on things. So we will, you know, do things that we may not, I'm not going to say you can't afford, but you may 
could have used that money for something else or you may use a credit card and now you know that 50 pound night may turn into 150 pound night by the by the time the interest you know just little things like that and it's um, funny that um, I was reading a while back, um, I think it was the finance section of the Telegraph, and there was a couple, one was a doctor, and the other one had another, you know, highly skilled profession, mm-hmm. and their household, they had two children, their household income was £180,000 a year, I remember that stuck in my mind, because I was like, yeah, they're, they're earning the best part of £200,000 a year, well obviously I know you get tax and NI taken out, whatever, but they were still earning a decent amount of money, but at the end of the month, they were both counting down the days towards payday, and they were both mm. saying that together as a couple and individually they didn't have savings because with every pay increase their their um lifestyle got bigger so I just thought wow we are living in a world where we I don't know don't have the information and also we're so um driven by immediate gratification yeah that we've got people that are earning the best part of 200 grand and they're broke like somebody who's earning 16 grand definitely and just to add to that Tommy, there was a a uk study done that 16 over 16 million people in the uk have less savings than 100 pounds 54 percent of those lived in london People may read that and think, oh, that might be the unemployed or low-income workers, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It's definitely not. Um, It's those who earn the average UK wages as well that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's £2,000 is the average income. Um, And I also read an American article from Yahoo that said six-figure earners, um, I think it was over half of the population, of six-figure earners Mm. have no savings at all. So what that says to me is, um, number one, I don't know if budgeting's happening. Mm. Number two is, as your income increases, so does your lifestyle. And if we could get into a habit of our income increasing, but our lifestyle remaining the same, just you may live in a property that costs, you know, £800 a month for Mm. argument's sake, right? Mm -hmm. Just because your salary's gone, you know, you know, tripled or gone 10 times up it doesn't now mean you need to move into a house that costs five thousand pounds a month Mm. and that's sometimes what we do as the wages go up the income goes up and what i would suggest is we still you know live how we were to build up the finances to maybe build up to go into investments to build our businesses to do other things to create income so that additional income that we're creating now we can live from that Mm -hmm. to increase our lifestyle Mm -hmm. because i gosh so this is the sort of stuff that enables us to do that long-term that intergenerational uh financial i don't know um basically what i'm saying is if 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 instead of living to the top of your income Mm -hmm. all the time you were ensuring that you were living significantly below your income you would be in a position where you can do the stuff that enables you to create that sort that's it legacy kind of financials so 
I know, like I'm, I'm thinking, um, if you've got um, two children and you live in a three-bedroom property, but you think mm-hmm. your finances mean that you can now buy a four-bedroom property, how about staying in that three-bedroom property and the money that you, if you, if you, if moving into that property meant that your cost of living, whether it was rent or mortgage, mm-hmm. was going to go up by twenty five percent, from what you're saying, stay in that three bed. And yes. save that twenty five percent that you would have been spending on a larger property, because you can do that. You can make yeah, that money that works for you. And and I'm not saying you, you you shouldn't have the larger property, but what I'm saying is just stay there for a while yeah. and build. Yeah, you know that's how you 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 build your 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 wealth. There's stages of wealth as well. So for example, I'm going to give you the four stages of of wealth. Mm-hmm. The first stage right, is stability. Down. Yeah. Is stability. Stability is where your expenses equals your income. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything, yeah, your expenses, anything below that is instability. Instability, is that a word? Yeah. Unstability. Yeah. Instability. Yeah. Instability, yes. <laughs> everything, anything below that is instability. Yeah. Right. But the danger of being stable is if anything comes at you ad hoc, it can easily knock you into instability. instability yeah. I think there's a yeah. lot of people living like that currently. Mm-hmm. So anything can come along unexpected that can knock you into instability. Mm. The next level is security. And this is where I'm trying to get people to think and start to be. Mm-hmm. Security is when your expenses equals your income, plus you have a rainy day fund. Some people call it the emergency funds. Mm -hmm. And that's money put aside is for any unexpected things that may happen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's suggested that you should have three to six months living expenses saved. Mm -hmm. So if anything happened to your employment or, you know, the roof caved in or your big white items broke down or Mm -hmm. something happened with the car, you are able to... Um, sort that out without having too much stress on your head it's not going to be like oh my gosh what am I going to do because things like that can stress you out yeah if the mind is not there yeah um and and that's where yeah so that's called security the next level is independence that's what I want yes independence is where your expenses is being covered by asset income Ooh. what can you explain Yeah, so your asset income could be money being received from property, mm-hmm. property rent. It could be investment that's paying you out and then and, and invest um, that's going up in value. It could be your business, the profits coming in from your business, yeah. your books, your music, your your royalties, yeah. loads of different things that could be coming in is as assets that is covering your expenses. Now. When you're in this position, you're 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 financially free because you don't have to be necessarily working. So it's like um, when you hear all of these people saying, "I'm a life coach and I can show you how to make passive income and six figures." Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about here is that passive income where the money that starts to make income. You money. Yes, or the money starts to make you money. Plus, it's covering your expenses. So now you've got time. You've got time on your hands to self-develop or create more money in different areas that's enjoyable to you. This is music to my ears. Yeah. 
And then the next level is affluence, where you've got multiple asset income. This is where you're, you're, you've got the ability to start, you know, shaping the world around you because now you've got multiple assets. This is where the top level of wealth is. And you're able to maybe use your influence to help your charitable causes, mm-hmm. set up foundations and so forth. So those are the four key stages of wealth. But what we need to do is we need to get our stability right first, where our expenses does equal our income, yeah. not our expenses are way above yeah. our income. So, Paula, may I ask, mm-hmm. where are you on this scale? Um, I would say I'm definitely at security. I do have assets coming in, but I'm quite a humble lady. So I, I like to live like, <laughs> like very humbly mm-hmm. and I'm trying to create legacy for my children. So for example, I do own property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, yeah, I do own multiple properties and I am the first person in my family to actually do that. So you see when Come I went on. back to the beginning, <laughs> you see when I went back to the beginning where it was like, oh, no, no, follow Paula. But, now everyone's following Paula. <laughs> yeah. Now they want to, and it's okay because, you know, you ripped me off, but I know I've always had a plan. Um, and fortunately for me, and God being on my now? side, it's helped me with that plan. Um, so I do have assets. I do have, you know, I do have a business. It's, it's getting to where it wants to be. I do have assets. So I'm, I'm an author of a book. Yes, so royalties yes, yes. do come in. Um, I'm not I've saying it's... Book. It's, it's millions, but royalties do come in. Yeah. And I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to build to be on steadily on independence. Yeah. That, that's why I set up my business because, um, well, <clears throat> there were a number of reasons that I set up the business. I do firmly believe that I can help people and help myself and have a really beautiful ecosystem and mm-hmm. creating something that is of service. But also to keep it 100, I want to create, um, I want to be steadily in independence. And um, for me, being employed in the field that I was in, social care, I would not get to that because the government doesn't fund it adequately. So even though you're in a position where effectively a lot of the time you are almost playing God with people's lives because you're making decisions Mm -hmm. about where children should live and who they should live with and so on and so forth, um, it's not valued. But also I believe that um, I I was being totally wiped out by my career it was having a really serious impact on my physical and mental health um Uh and I believe firmly that it is possible to have independence and go from independence to affluence without doing back-breaking work that damages you as a person definitely and this is why education is key this is why self-development is key and because when you invest in your knowledge it always provides the best returns. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, us, and 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 what's? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go on. And and what's crucial also is that the reason why that is key because we need to learn from the lessons and it needs to be embedded in us because you can easily revert back to the previous stage. Yes. This is why you have people who win the lottery, and in, within a couple of years they're back to square one. Yeah because of the mindset, because yeah. they thought, oh, I've got millions now, so I'm going to buy a yacht, not realising the cost the, the cost of having the yacht on the docks is 
I don't know how much thousand pounds a week, yeah. but you wanted a yacht because you could afford it. Yeah. And it's just because we can afford things. I, I don't want to stress this to the listeners as well. You know, just because you can afford it doesn't mean you need it. Yeah. Totally. And these are just type of, you know, little things that yeah. sometimes we can um, implement or think about before we, we do our impulse buying. Because mm-hmm. there's triggers as well. Yeah. We need to understand our triggers of what makes us do things. Sorry, and sorry for cutting in there. No, 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 absolutely. That That's really, because it, it's, it's leading me on really nicely. Because I was going to ask you about some books or what it is that you do and you have done to um, change your mindset. Because I know for myself, mm-hmm. like I would say that I'm a personal development book, podcast, whatnot junkie, whether it's about me as an individual or whether it's learning stuff about business. And Mm -hmm. there was a point of time when I was like, Tammy, stop consuming all this stuff, just apply it. But what I know about myself is it's not just about application. It's about keeping up that knowledge because because some of these things are so deeply entrenched in my subconscious because of growing up and seeing lack and all these sorts of things. As I peel back the layers and I learn more about myself, my ego and, you know, the the ego that, you know, drives impulsivity and all of that sort of stuff, it becomes more sophisticated. So I have learnt, for example, how to come out of the lack stage because you know I've I've had periods of long periods of time where I have been literally living beyond my means even though I was earning decent money Mm -hmm. and I've moved into the expenses equaling my income and as far as like my goodness yeah when you're talking about things that knock you something can happen to knock you off that so that stability is you know very dependent on things remaining the same and we know that Mm -hmm. life never does that and if I hadn't started this business I would have been on the next level because of my mindset Um, but I knew that I needed to start this business and I couldn't wait I couldn't stay at work longer to build up the reserves to be able to do it I just needed to do it because of the impact my work was having on my mental health and also I know that fear would have made me stay there even longer I just wouldn't have done it but I was able to shift in that you know in this direction because I'm constantly reading things so I remember reading something that was saying it's not just to talk about and think about and visualize the amount of money you want to earn for example, you Mm -hmm. also need to talk about, think about, visualize, and for me, journal on what you would do with that income and what it means to you. Because if I just have a blank, I want to earn 100k, well, what am I going to be doing with that? Unless I break it down, I would be in the same position where I'm like the two people earning the best part of 200k, refreshing, because I hadn't worked on the mindset. Yeah, and that goes to even when we don't think we've got enough, we still need to give our money purpose. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about there. The money has to be given purpose or it, it, it will just slip out of our hands. It needs a job. This is why budgeting is important where you say, you know, this amount of money is going to go to that and you're, you're directing your money where it goes. Yeah. Also, what you were just saying is about having that element of, tr- not trust, but sometimes we have to take risk. Yeah. 
so even with like some of the investments that I've made in different different stocks, um, I've had to take risk and I have to, you know, and obviously you have to be calculated. You have to do your due diligence. And, mm-hmm. and But I have to risk to say, OK, I could put this £2,000 into this and lose it all. Mm-hmm. But that's the risk I'm prepared to take because I have to try something new. Yeah. Um, and, and I have done my due diligence on it. That's why I say you don't just go into it yeah. without doing, you know, your, your research. But we have to do things differently to yeah. see different things that may work for us. But in order to get to that position, we need to get from stability to security yeah. and work our way. That's how we can start using that rainy yeah. fund money into going and up the ladder. The other thing is, so you, you talked about, for example, let's just use that figure of £2,000. I believe that money is is energy and mm-hmm. energy it has to it has to move for it to it needs to move for it to pick up speed and and to create more energy and if you just hold on to it you're shrinking it I feel so there are some people mm-hmm. I know definitely my parents um immigrant parents the notion was to save money to stockpile it to have it just to hold on to it you're not doing anything with the money you're keeping it in a bank account the interest isn't really saying it because mm-hmm. the idea of investing two thousand pounds is really nerve-wracking because you because you keep thinking you won't get it back and whilst I'm aware that depending on where you are financially will will um, influence whether or not you can think like this but most of the people that engage with this brand are professionals um, Mm -hmm. or they are at a level in their career where they make money so I also think that we need to start to tell ourselves well, number one, don't invest money that you cannot afford to invest, like it's mm-hmm. literally going to impact your day to day. But also remember, if you are in a position where you can invest money, let's say £2,000, and you're in stable employment or business or whatever, you mustn't forget that you can make money. So don't think, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm investing £2,000, I'm not going to see it, I don't know where it's going, like you're never going to get £2,000 again. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And and it's a mindset thing again, because as you said, with money's energy. So if you invest two thousand pounds in something and immediately you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose it. I bet I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna bet you're gonna lose it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But if you go into it, I'm investing, I wanna see this multiply again. It's the mindset. Um, it's gonna multiply, I'm gonna get a small interest and I, and then I can reinvest in something else. You're giving it a positive energy with it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's really important. And whilst, you know, we're not saying hocus pocus alagazam, it's going to work out for me. But if if you are doing something and it's almost like you're setting the intention that it's going to fail. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, And another thing that I do with, you know, people in my seminars and clients I work with, I, I talk about the importance of our, the invisible that creates the visible. So our thoughts are invisible, but our thoughts lead to our feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, our feelings, how we feel about ourselves or our situation leads to how we act. And then how we act leads to our ultimate results in whatever area it may be. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very mindful with our thoughts. And as you said, that leads, leads on to our well-being. We have to be very mindful how we're thinking about money a lot of times even with money you know terminology I'm always broke 
if that's the what you're professing, you're always broke. More than likely, you're always going to find yourself in that situation. I will. So this summer, I, me and my daughter went to Bali. Mm-hmm. I um, am earning less money than I have since I was in my early 20s, I'm quite sure. Okay. However, I decided that I was going to be mindful with my money. I decided that I am understanding exactly what my not thinking about 360 the business but exactly Mm -hmm. what my personal income and outgoings are because I still have a contract piece of work that I do because 360 is not at a stage where I'm drawing an income and I'm not me on my own I'm me as a mum and I have to make sure that I'm catering for my daughter um as well as myself but because I decided that I've just become so much more aware of what I'm spending and how I'm spending it. So the they were countless times that I would go out and I've spent £20, for example. I haven't got a clue what I spent it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would have bought a ridiculously expensive popcorn bar from Pret-a-Manger. God knows what else I would have um, spent the money on. But that just isn't happening anymore. Yes, I work from home, but I also go out to meetings and events and so on and so forth. But I've, I've decided and been very conscious about it. So I just think, bloody hell, if I can do that, in the space of a few months, what else? Can exactly. I, well, I know what else I can do, but like literally now I have the evidence in my hand to say I can do this. And it's really made budgeting exciting. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really uh, made it pleasurable. And and that's one key thing that I, 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 I explain, I do is the importance of budgeting. There's a saying that says it's not your salary that makes you rich, it's your spending habits. And a lot of us are not budgeting in the home. Um, And I understand, I understand through clients I work with and and the seminars that I do that people are not really comfortable talking about their finances, especially when it's not in the position that you would like it to be in. So I've created an online budgeting and debt management workshop, especially um, for for those who feel like they don't want to talk about their finances. And it goes through mindset. It provides you with the budgeting tool, all calculated for a year. You go through debt management planning. And I think it's those things, having those tools, having the understanding of how to use it will definitely, definitely, and I'll say it again, definitely increase your finances and make you start becoming aware of your spending habits and how you can make those changes to increase it. I'm going to make sure that I include a link to this in the show notes because I think that that is something that's really useful and despite mindset work that I've done and my own calculations and whatnot I think I'm going to have a go at that because um I just know for myself that constant reminders and constantly doing this work just really solidifies it for me. And as my ego becomes slicker, I can become even slicker than it and not let it um, spoil my my jugglings. Um, Paula, so you just talked about working with your clients. So what do you do apart from your seminars? Okay, so I I do my 
apart from my seminars, I do one-to-one work as well. Um, so you're a coach? Yes. Yeah, so I do some, yeah, I do coaching with clients as well um, in regards to their finances. Some people are not comfortable in the group settings mm-hmm. and they prefer that one-on-one contact. And I do one-on-one work and I have different, different, um, different packages for you know suiting actual needs okay. um I don't I don't work from you know one 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 price one way kind of thing. Yeah, yeah yeah one yeah and one way works for all um and also I have online stuff so for instance the budgeting and debt management workshop I also have a workbook um for those who may be on a lower income which is the five ways to improve your financial health because mm-hmm. financial health we're talking about and that's good and then yeah i go into schools and speak to young children about finances and getting them to understand i remember earlier this year it was so i really really enjoyed it i went to a school and was speaking to them about finances and simplicity and I was asking the kids what what do you think simplicity means and they was like you know instead of driving a Bentley drive a Ford and people were laughing I was like no but that's exactly it Mm. (laughs) you know so it's getting that concept into them um from an early age I worked with a slightly younger group about money management as well where I do a game with them where I get them to put items into needs and wants and it's so surprising when you're seeing a young eight-year-old you know maybe put the television into a want instead of being a need because you would automatically think they would think that that's a need you know so it's just getting the mindset prepared that as I as I said before it's not that we shouldn't have nice and luxury things but let's just get priorities in order our mindset right and start growing from where we are because we there is a we get our money blueprint from childhood and 90% of us, if we think back, we follow our parents in how we manage our money. Mm. Um, I just, I just, you know, get, get the listeners right now to just think about how you manage money and think, is it like your parents done? You know, and, and it comes from also what we heard as young people. You know, you've got so much sayings about money. And money for instance, grow that, trees. And yeah, all. money's the root of all evil. Yeah. And I always think if that's in the back of your mind, in your subconscious, that money's the root of all evil evil yeah how do you expect to have any if that's what's in the subconscious and i love that i do love that saying because that's not exactly what the saint says it says the saying in the bible because there's a bible quote says the love of money is the root of all evil it doesn't say the money is the root of all evil it says the love of money and you can see why it would say the love of money yeah it doesn't say the money is the root of all evil the quote is the love of money is the root of all evil that that puts a totally different spin on things exactly exactly and we also hear up here like i hear it in the supermarket a lot i haven't got money for that i haven't got money for that Mm. and and you know and not just um money doesn't grow on trees something else that i hear lots of people say because uh there's a lot of like people say a lot of the time um money doesn't bring happiness no money Mm -hmm. doesn't bring happiness if you're not happy, when you get the money, you will be temporarily lifted because you've got the money. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to go back to whatever your baseline Definitely. is. But sometimes people confuse that by thinking that um, they won't be happy with money. Well, if you're working, if you are actively working to make sure that you are grateful, content, that you're sharing um, because one of the things that I know is that um, being kind to other people 
really um, human beings, we, abs- we absolutely love that. That really gives us a sustained boost and being mm-hmm. kind to other people. Well, if you've got money and you're not worried about lack in that way, then you, as you said earlier on, have more space to be doing personal development style work, which means you will be kinder to yourself, you will be kinder in the world, and it has a ripple effect going outwards. Definitely. You know, they say money doesn't, can't can't bring you happiness, but it's it's definitely up there with oxygen because yeah. it, it provides you with you access. know the ability access um provides you with time yeah to do the things that are good for your own well-being yeah. good for your you know yourself you know you get to do things and you're able to give it you know if you're someone who likes to give charity help it gives you that access to do things yeah. i know when i become influenced i'll be traveling the world building schools yeah yeah. You know, yeah. providing, you know, fresh water and food for those who don't have. I know. Yeah. And that that that's the stuff that I would be doing. Yeah. And that's so, how yeah. Money, money becomes energy. Yeah. So, Paula, as we wrap up, um, yes. are there any books or something aside from your toolkit yes. that I'm going to put links to that you can recommend? I'm going to give... <laughs> give you two or three of my favorite books I think everybody should definitely read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I know that goes around a lot but Rich Dad Poor Dad is a definitely a good book to have yeah um there's another book called and it's a small one you could probably read it in you know less than just a few hours Mm -hmm. is The Richest Man in Babylon Mm -hmm. that is a definitely good book and the final one I'm torn, I'm torn, I'm torn. Give us two then. All right, so that will be it then. So it will be Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh, no, I was meaning give us two more. You You were saying you were torn. Oh, two more. All right, okay. I love, absolutely love as well, You're a Badass at Making Money. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harp. Echo, yeah, yes, yeah, Echo or something. I've read that. Okay, I will definitely put links to that. So, Paula, for anybody that wants to um, be in touch with you or follow what you're doing, could you please let listeners know where they can find you? Okay, so my you can find me on social media. So I've got a group on Facebook called You for Us, and that's Y O U the number for us mm-hmm. and I'm on Instagram as you for us as well, Twitter. So all of my handles are you for us, Y-O-U, the number four and us. I should come up. Some of them are underscore UK or yeah. UK, but once you press you for us, you will get to me. And my website also is www.youforus.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Paula. I've really, really loved this chat and I'm going to download your, um, sign up for your work, your online doodah. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, And I appreciate you having me here as well. So thank you very much. Oh no, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to the 360 podcast. We can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags Live360 and Everyday Joy. I hope to see you on my social media channel. 
If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time.